0: Holy Spirit, we're asking you to do what only you can do, what only God can do. And as fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, fresh work of maturity, change us from the inside out. Refresh us who need refreshing. Lord, I pray for the discouraged and the depressed today, that, that the joy of the Lord would come on them. By faith, let the joy of the Lord come today. Lord, I pray for the ones here who find themselves addicted to substances or behaviors, that there'd be breakthrough today in Jesus' name. Lord, you just show up and do what only you can do. For those who are terminally bored, I pray, let them have a revelation of Jesus that changes the course of their lives, sets it on fire again, gives them purpose, Lord, but I pray to give the purposeless a mission today. Give every purposeless one a fresh sense of mission direction from God himself today. Lord, we need you. Then we love you. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, let's, let's bust open the word together. I want to um, start by sharing with you that I've had some good exercise times this week. I'm really, obviously you can tell that I'm a little more jacked up here, right? You see that? <clears throat> so actually, this was a fun week, though, in that I had two days of the week where I had kind of training, right? I had, on Tuesday and Thursday, I had different folks with me who um, just helped me in this endeavor to... Uh, Basically, I'm just trying to keep aging at bay, I think is what I'm doing. But um, And so, anyways, you know, when you work out and you're just by yourself, you know, you kind of, you might have your thing that you're doing, but you can cheat a little bit or you just say, oh, you know, I, uh, you know I'm a little bit tired today, I don't need to do that. That hurts a little bit, so I don't do that. But when you got people who are with you kind of training and they're kind of your, your coaches, you just can't do that. They push you and they, and they push you hard. And so I got pushed a little bit hard this Tuesday morning, this Thursday morning. I was so thankful. But I don't know about you, but when when I can't complete something or when I'm not doing what I should be doing in this training environment or in any other environment like that, what I find myself needing is two things. I immediately need like the pat on the back, like, hey, it's okay. We'll get through this. But then I also need, boom, the kick in the rear that says, okay, now go get them. You know what I'm saying? It's like in that struggle, whatever it was, let's say it was 60 push-ups, in that deal of I've got to push these through, what's the deal? And I don't do it like I want to do it. I immediately need, hey, it's okay, you're going to be, a, you know, you'll make it. But then I also am like, oh, no, I want to do this. I want to get this thing done. I need the kick in the rear, too, to get it done. And so I wonder, what about you? In, in any challenge, trial, test you may face, do you, fire, do you find yourself needing both? Do you need the pat on the back? Hey, it's going to be okay. You're loved, been through it, you're all right. Or do you need more of the, Kick in the rear. Now get up and go get him. Don't stay here too long. You can do this thing. You know, I see with my son, Jaron, he needs masculine and feminine if I can do this. We were, um, I pulled out the vacuum yesterday, okay? When I pull out the vacuum, JD, my son, he's two years old, he gets really scared. And so I pull out the vacuum and, you know, Kelsey's there lying on the couch and he jumps onto Kelsey. He kind of snuggles with her. And so, you know, from, from, from Kelsey, he kind of gets the, Pat on the bat. It's okay. It's going to be all right. But then as soon as that vacuums off and dad's doing other things around the house, JD comes jumping off and he, he's like, I want, to, um, I want to follow daddy. He's like, what does he say? He says, I want help daddy. I want help daddy. He wants to help me. He wants to adventure with me into the garage for what great project is going to happen out there. Same kind of dynamic, right? He needs the He needs to pat on the back for mom. Everything's going to be okay. Then he also needs the okay, let's go do something. Let's adventure together. You know, let me as the the dad, let me draw you out a little bit. What about you? Are there circumstances? Are there events? Are there trials, tests, you know, in your life, no matter how trivial or kind of deep they are, do you find yourself needing those two things? I sure do. And usually in short order. Usually I go from one to the other really quick. Like, oh, tell me it's going to be okay. Now I'm going to do this again. Come on. Well, just a reminder, and I, I, you know, we just prayed it. What, what are we doing? We are looking at Hebrews, and we are <clears throat> saying, Jesus, I want to know you better, because if I know you, I'll fall more in love with you. You know, it's like we said last week, when you get more context for a person, you usually get drawn to him a little bit more. Just as a mini example, I was thinking this morning about a student, you know, I used to teach high school, and I had a student, I had a... My first class started at 7.50, 7.50, ungodly hour, which I hear is actually not that ungodly these days. Some high schools are starting at 7.15, which I think is ludicrous. What 15-year-old is functioning? What 18-year-old is functioning at 7.15? No one is. Elementary school kids are, not the high school kids. Anyway, so I had a 7.50 class. And actually, I had this student, actually three years in a row, I had him, and that A block, that 7.50 class. And it was a three-year battle with him concerning tardiness. And I could just not get this kid to my class at 7.50. This is what started to happen. You know, I would just have him come after school, right? He, he would get late. I'd say, all right, we'll see you, you know. Late five minutes, you owe me 50. How's that? Just multiply by 10 there. And, um, <clears throat> and so what started to happen, though, he would be late all the time. And so, but what would happen is I'd have him clean my boards, you know, just all the little work that I could get done by him. And as he's doing his stuff, he starts to share his story. So over those three years, I got to know this kid. And he was the son of kind of high-powered immigrants from Eastern Europe. In other words, ones that the United States likes to have come here because they were just leaders in science and technology, um, working in Boston. And so the whole story for the students started to unfold where you know, high-octane, high high-powered parents, high-performing, and then him just growing up wondering, you know, who am I? Can I please my parents? And that sort of story just came, came out. And so you can imagine my, my point in sharing that is so over time I get context for the student and what gets elicited out of me is a lot of empathy, a lot of sympathy, and, and now we got a whole story behind him. And so yes, I don't you know, he's still coming with me after school, but I'm just not, you know, getting mad at him all the time. I got some context for him, and we develop this relationship. Now, of course, we don't expect as we look at Jesus, we don't expect sympathy necessarily to be to be to be what's stirred up, but we are expecting that as we open the Word of God, we're going to say, Lord Jesus, give me more context for who you are. You know, especially those of you who've grown up in the church, we have a lot of religious words we throw around, but I want to examine these things again and say, okay, God, give me context for who you are. Let me know what you've done. Let me see this. You know, what I've seen in black and white all my life, or what I've seen in gray all my life, let me now see in color what Jesus has done for me. Amen? Amen. And we're going to get from Jesus today the the pat on the back, love you, and the... Kick in the rear. Now, um, you know, do this. Obey. Love. Do that. Okay? Amen. Let's look at Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. A little bath in the Word of God this morning. Jesus shows who you are. We ended last time at verse 4. We'll pick it up at verse 5. It is not to angels that He has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. Okay, remember he just, last time we just looked at the whole fact that um, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God's being. He's just better than the angels. That's the main point. He's kind of carrying that out. He says kind of nonchalantly, this kind of cracks me up actually. There's a little humor here. Verse 6, he says, but there's a place where someone has testified. You know, it's kind of like a little, someone wrote this somewhere. But everyone knows it's Psalm 8 and um, that it's a, you know, legit source basically. And he quotes Psalm 8 and he says, What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, I read Psalm 8 and I see Jesus in this Psalm, right? This is prophetic about the Lord Jesus Christ. He continues now in his own words. And putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. In other words, everything's going to be subject to Jesus. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. We're living in the world today. Things are crazy, right? Not everything in Salem is subject to Jesus right now, but it's getting there because of our friend Jamie and other guys with him, Why am trying to share Jesus. And here's where we want to pick it up. I will go back and look at those verses, but here's kind of where we want to start cranking is on verse 9. But we see Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. There we go. We're here. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, quoting from the psalm, now crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because He suffered death. And this is crazy what comes next. So that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. Let's keep reading. In bringing many sons and in bringing many daughters to glory, it was fitting that God For whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Everyone say suffering. Suffering. Wow, made complete, made perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and women. Both the one who makes men and women holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. So Jesus is not ashamed to call you sister. He says, and I was quoting from Psalm 22, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. In other words, this is Jesus saying, I will declare your name, right? We show up at heaven, at heaven's gates, and Jesus is going to say, Keith, he's a brother of mine. I love him, right? It's going to be awesome. And Jesus with joy is going to welcome Keith into the family of all the saints. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And it's kind of wild that he's quoting from Psalm 22. Psalm 22, when's the last time we heard that in this whole story? Remember Jesus nailed to a cross? He says, My God, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm 22. So it's not by accident that the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, this whole psalm, we can attribute it. We can, we can see Jesus in this psalm. Then verse 13, and again, I will put my trust in him. And this is a little bit, just follow me with this. He's, he's quoting from Isaiah 8, I believe. And he says, and again, I will put my trust in him. In other words, Jesus saying, I put my trust in you, God the Father. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. In other words, the picture here is, Jesus saying, Father, I trust you, This whole crazy thing about you sending me to the cross and trying to redeem humanity, I trust you. I put my trust in you. And here am I and the children God has given me, right? Jesus kind of standing before a company of saints saying, here am I, God, and all the ones you've given me. I did it. That's the picture that's kind of being evoked here by the writer of Hebrews. Now, how does he get to do this? Well, let's keep going to verse 14 and then we'll come by and we'll come back and look at these a little more carefully. It says this, since the children, since you and me have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Everyone say humanity. Okay, if Hebrews 1 was all about the glory, the radiance, then Hebrews 2 is about the humanity. Jesus condescended for you and for me. It says, he shared their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, you and me. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. Wow, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because, I, this just blows me away. What a great way to end this chapter. It says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Amen? Okay, let's check this out. Because again, where we're after today is, this is our Montserrat College. This is the Radiance of God's Glory, in art form by Montserrat students of 2011. So here's the Radiance of God's Glory. So kind of what we're after today is, hey, because this is true about God, this is true about us. We got a white sheet there. We'll explain that shortly. I know I didn't explain the shoes too good last time. I'm going to try to do a better job this week. Because of who Jesus is, this is who we are. Because this is what Jesus did, this is what we do or who we become. All right? That's what we're after today. So let's go through this. What do we learn about Jesus? How do we fall more in love with him today? Well, let's go back through. And again, I'll start um, at verse 9. Let's pick it up. What do we learn about Jesus? Well, for your and my sake, he was made a little bit lower than the angels. And by the grace of God, he tasted death for you and for me. By the grace of God, he tasted death for you and for me. Thank you, Lord. Everyone say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He tasted death. And isn't that crazy? That it's by the grace of God. It wasn't by accident. Jesus didn't blow it. He didn't mess it up. But it's by the grace of God that he tasted death for, ev- for everyone. What else did Jesus do? I'm looking at verse 10 now. It says that, He was made perfect through suffering. He was made complete through suffering. Again, we've grown up in the church. This is like Christmas, Easter. We get this all the time. But can I just, you know, for other religions, like let's say Islam, and we go to North Africa and we go to the Middle East, the idea of God suffering is just so foreign to them. It's offensive to them that the God of the universe who's holy and perfect should condescend, should be touched by what touches us like death. Isn't that crazy? But it says here that Jesus, the author of our salvation, was made perfect through suffering. I just, I don't know. That often it is hard for me to wrap my mind around that, that Jesus learned or became complete through suffering. And that completion there is, you know, it's a, or perfection. It's, um, yeah, that idea of doing perfectly what God willed, okay? It's not like Jesus was not um, totally holy when he came to earth. He totally was, but it's just he fulfilled all of God's plans for him. That's what that completion means, or perfect, perfect is how NIV is rendering it, right? He's made perfect through suffering. That's my Jesus. He tasted death for me. He was made perfect through suffering. Go with me to verse 14. What else do we learn about Jesus? How do we fall more in love with him today? Well, here. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Jesus was made human for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So that by death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, the devil. Jesus has destroyed the devil. Everyone say destroyed. Destroyed. Now he's not totally destroyed yet. But we see that Jesus has destroyed the enemy. He has destroyed the devil. I'm so glad because, gosh, every day I have problems. (laughs) And most of my problems, in fact, I'll say 100% of my problems come from the fact that there is an enemy against me and I'm opposed. You're opposed. I don't know if you know that, but you are opposed. And some of you need to know that again today, that you are opposed by an evil personality. And that's where some of your problems come from. Yes, you need to own your sin. Yes, you need to deal with your stuff. But can I just tell you that part of what you are up against is the fact that you are opposed by an enemy who wants to destroy you. Okay, he's not just playing softball. He's playing hardball. What did Jesus say in John? He said he came to steal and kill and destroy. We need to know that so that when things are tough in our families, when we're discouraged or depressed, it's not just, oh no, I need to get myself out of this again. But it's, wait a second. I'm opposed by an enemy who is real. And the good news we have from this today is that Jesus, the exact representation of God's being, uh, the, the radiance of God's glory, has destroyed the devil. That's why he came. Now, it's in progress. It's in process. We don't see it, but we know the end of the story. And I can I just tell you how reassuring that is? Knowing the end of the story is certainly reassuring. And I pray that I and you can get more encouragement out of the fact that we know the end of the story, that the devil is being destroyed. What else has Jesus done? Ooh, I like this one. Go with me to verse 17. For this reason, he was made like his brothers, like you and me, in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Everyone say priest. Priest. Okay, now how, how wild is it that the author uses the word priest? It's pretty wild. Let me tell you why. Because honestly, when I think of Jesus, I think of Son of Man. I mean, what did we just read? In, in, in the first chapter, we read that Jesus was radiance of God's glory. You know, last week, we called it the sevenfold awesomeness of Jesus. We learned how awesome he was. Now, it seems like that would, 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 um, it would make me think, hey, maybe the title that the guy in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, would give Jesus would be something more like prophet. Because, and Jesus is a prophet. I'm not saying he's not. But think of the direction of a prophet speaks on whose behalf to whom. prophet speaks on God's behalf to people, right? But who does a priest represent to whom? Yeah, a priest represents man to God. And so we see Jesus, high priest, identifying with us, totally willing to come in and get on board with us. He's a high priest. Yes, he's in service to God, but he chose, you know, he's called priest, one who represents us before God. He is our advocate. I think that I just, let's camp out there for a second. You need to know that you're an advocate. It's what First John says. First John says that he is your advocate, all right? There's way too much condemnation uh, in this room, frankly. I think some of us walk around with way too much condemnation, I need to know that God, Jesus is your advocate. He intercedes for you before the Father saying, mercy, grace, you know. Lord, mercy on Ben. Mercy on Cullen, right? Mercy on Lauren today. Yes, this is a struggle. Yes, this is a problem. But there's mercy because Jesus is your advocate. He's your high priest. He's representing you before God's throne saying, this is my brother, this is my sister, I died for him, I died for her, I love him, I love her. Will you let that sink in right now? Will you please let it sink in? I know right now it might not be sinking in, but come Tuesday and Thursday, when you're in your deal, when you're at your office, when you're in your class, when you're in your house, and that condemnation comes on, or that, you know, is God even real? Does he even care about me? When that comes on you, then just at least think about this. (laughs) Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, sevenfold awesome Jesus that he is, he's also my high priest. He's advocating for me. I don't have to walk around condemned, isolated and afraid and unbelieving, but I can walk around with a heart inflamed with the love of God, knowing that Jesus personally is my advocate. Everyone say advocate. Advocate. That's the high priest. He's your advocate. He's your high priest. Okay? Then, as I said, ooh, for me, the crowning deal at the end here. This is, this, is, uh, this is the other way that I don't walk around in condemnation is this. It says, verse 18, what else has Jesus done? Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Again, will you just let that sink in right now? And that word that's translated, translated tempted, it can also be tested you know, so whether it's a temptation, like you're being tempted to sin, or whether you're in a, a test, a trial, you know, a challenge in your life. Look at this. He himself suffered when he was tempted. So he's able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus' heart hurt because of the possibility of sin. All right? Just like yours. Your heart hurts. You got the Spirit of God in you. When you're being tempted by sin, it hurts, doesn't it? And there's a part of you, there's a, there's a warfare, there's a struggle, and there's a wounding even in your heart, saying, Oh, Lord, I don't want to do this. But like Paul, I kind of say, I've got this carnal nature that's crazy in me. And God, you're good. Help me. But he himself suffered when he was tempted. Because I don't know about you, but when I feel tempted, I all of a sudden feel like I've, it's like I've switched lanes. Like I was in this lane, kind of going on with God, it's great. Ooh, then all of a sudden the temptation comes. <laughs> I kind of feel like I shift over to this other reality, this parallel universe, where all of a sudden, God's not real happy with me. Honestly, that's what happens in me personally. If I start to enter the world of temptation, I think, boom, disfavor. Out of favor with God. You know, I'm on that edge, yes. But look what we're learning here. Jesus suffered and he was tempted, so he's able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus lives to help you. He's excited to help you. He wants to help you. You don't shift lanes when you're tempted. Jesus wants to help you in your day-to-day. Jesus wants to help you because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. He's willing to help. You need to hear that. You need to know that today, that he is willing to help you. He wants to. Do you believe it yeah do you believe that jesus really does want to help you that he suffers you know he's been there when you're tempted and he really wants to be in it with you he's a good friend let it sink in let it transform you all right so here's what we learned about jesus this is how awesome he is this is it stirring up some passion this is it stirring up some yes lord i love you thank you for doing this because now here's what's true about us we got a white sheet Holiness, purity. Here's what's true about us. Let's go back through and figure out, all right, so what's true about me? If this is true about Jesus, what's true about me? Let's go back through. Verse 10. And bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Thank you. You are being brought to glory. And again, this is one of those religious words that doesn't impact us. But let me try to break down glory as I understand it. And I would just borrow from, I think his uh, name is St. Irenius or Irenaeus. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. I think it's Irenaeus. Help me, Jade. Irenaeus. So, second time. Is that right? Okay, Irenaeus. Thank you. He says, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man, woman, fully alive. So God is bringing you to glory. In other words, He is bringing you to be the man or the woman that He has called you and is calling you to be. All right, right now there's things that mute you. There are things that dampen who you are, and that's the devil, and the world, and your own flesh that keep you from being who God has called you to be. What does it say? It says, "In bringing many sons to glory, He is bringing you to glory. He is making you the man of God." Woman of God, he's called you to be. Or like we looked at last week, we looked at the idea he sustains everything, right? Same idea. He's bringing you to completion. What else? Everyone say glory. Glory. All right, he's doing it. Verse 11, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy. You're being made holy. All right, you may not feel like it, but you are being made holy. Everyone say holy. holy. You are being made holy. It may not feel like it. It might feel like you're one step forward and two steps backward in this reign, in this region, excuse me, in this idea but you are being made holy. You are being made holy. God is transforming; He's changing you from not just resisting sin to the place of where you're. Gosh, I don't even want to go there anymore. He's doing it. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, "I will declare your name, to my brothers, in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises." Listen. Another thing is, you and me are being. Brought into the family of God. Everyone say family. Okay. I remember actually the summer before we launched this church, I remember I'd had um, just something went on, a little um, uh, misunderstanding and pain in a, in a key relationship of mine. And I remember uh, taking a personal retreat. And uh, again, it's kind of what I do. and the contemplative path, I enjoy taking personal retreats. So I got away with God. And I think it was either right before or right after we went to Northwest Africa with a team from our sending church. And I remember just crying out to God, saying, God, um, I just, um, Lord, I want to be a good friend. Basically, it was my heart cry. I want, I want, I want to be a good friend. Why do I, I, and basically the insecurity that was happening was, Lord, I feel like, why am I not able to maintain good friendships? It was kind of, I was getting rocked at the core and just felt like, why does it feel like I'm not able to maintain a good, healthy, just friendship? And I just kind of, I actually was literally lying down on the bed. Um, it was either late at night or early in the morning. I was there a couple of days at this monastery that I go to. And, and, I finally, and it just occurred to me, you know, Jesus, the whisper of Jesus came. And to me it was, um, I want to be your brother. I want your friendship. And it had never really occurred to me like it had at that moment in 2007 that Jesus desired my friendship you know, that Jesus wanted my friendship as I would with any person. You know, he wants us to, he wants me and him to have a friendship that's real and legit. And it just kind of took on a whole new dimension after that time. It was about May or June of 2007. I said, yes, Lord. You know, this isn't just religious language that now you're a brother, or a sister of Jesus, but this is Jesus Christ himself wants your friendship. He wants your day-to-day presence to him. He wants to walk with you. You know, just what we did last Sunday. We, we just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to invite you into my day to day. It's what Jesus wants. Do you know that? Again, do you believe it? Do you really, do you practice it in the day in, day out that Jesus wants to walk with you? That He's he wants to call you brother and sister. He's not ashamed to call you brother or sister. He loves you. He wants your friendship. And he's going to defend you before the Father, saying, this is my friend. This is my brother and my sister. I'm so glad to welcome into the kingdom. What else? Okay, what else do we get? We get friendship with Jesus into the family of God. Ooh, this one's good. This might rock us a little bit. Look at verse 15. What has he done? He's destroyed death, the devil, the one who holds the power of death, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I don't know how real death is to you as far as that kind of being a fear of yours. But let's just do this. Let's call death as kind of the end of all fears. Let's just start with the word fear. What are you afraid of? Just this morning in our prayer time, I was confessing with the folks that we were praying with. I really realized I'm rocked by the fear of man. Fear of man rocks me. There's so much that God wants to do in and through me, but the fear of man keeps me from being all that God wants me to be and do. But what does the word say here? The word says here that Jesus wants to free, and he does free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear, fear of death. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate end fear, I would say. Jesus wants you to be set free from fear. Again, in 1 John, it says, perfect love casts out all fear. Let Jesus visit you today with your perfect love, with his perfect love, set you free from fear. That's who you are. You're free from fear. Everyone say free. Free, free, from, fear. free from fear. Everyone say, I'm free from fear. Free. Amen. We're all in the process and God's doing it. It's wonderful. What else? And uh, we already talked about it, but the last thing is we have the help. Matt, I don't need to hit it again, but we have a help like the that, uh, Excuse me. last verse, verse 18 says that he's able to help those who are tempted because he suffered and he was tempted. He's able to help you. Amen. You're not alone in your temptation. You're not alone. As soon as you feel tempted or you're struggling, it doesn't mean that you're, boom, into another lane. It means you've got the help of Jesus. He's close. He's near. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this little bath in the word of God. Transform us. Thank you, Jesus. You live to die. Let's make it clear, Lord. You didn't live just to be... A good man, you didn't live just to have good teachings, but you lived to die. Because otherwise, the whole salvation of man could not happen. If you just came to be a good man, or have a few good teachings, it wouldn't have affected what we needed, which was salvation, fear, uh, delivery from fear, freedom from fear, and all the other things that come with your glorious salvation, Lord. You lived to die so that we could reign in life, Lord Help us to reign in life as brothers and sisters of Christ. Help us to reign in life as ones who are being made holy. Help us to reign in life as ones who are being glorified, coming to Christ. Help us to reign. Rule and reign, Lord. Live your holy life through us, God. Live your holy life through us. Let's just stay in this place. You just keep in an attitude of prayer as Jenna and the worship team comes up. You just, um, what I want to do now, is I want to, you know, last week we invited, we said, Jesus, come and just, um, you know, walk with me. You're the radiance of God's glory. You're the exact representation of his being and just walk with us. And now I want to specifically have you bring before the Lord as he has probably already had you do this morning, but just bring before him that place of greatest trial Temptation and struggle. Bring that before Him. Just kind of right now, wherever you're at in life, whether it's a test or a temptation, a challenge. And let the Lord give you what you need. Some of you need the pat on the back, kind of the Hebrews 2.18, like, hey, Jesus, because He... Suffer and he's tempted, he's able to help you and you're tempted. Let him give you the pat on the back. But also let him give you the kick in the rear. The all right and now we're gonna move on and this is gonna get better. And we're gonna move on. I am making you holy. I am glorifying you. Let him do that also. Lord, we just invite you in. Lord, to the places of temptation, to the places of trial, to the places of test and challenge, we should receive by faith that the same Jesus, who is the radiance of God's glory, the same Jesus, who is the exact representation of God, is the same one who is with us in our humanity, is with us in our frailty. It's with us. Lord, your word says that we're dust. And you, you get it. We're just dust. We receive you as our high priest. Say, thank you, Jesus. we receive that you tasted death for us. By the grace of God, you tasted death so you could set us free from our fear of death. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you just start to thank him. Thank him. Give a sacrifice of praise. Even if you don't feel thankful right now, just give a sacrifice of praise. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for sharing my humanity. Thank you that you understand what I'm going through. Thank you. Why don't you guys stand up as you thank him. As you keep thanking him, thanking him, just stand up. Say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Keep thanking him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You understand me? Thank you, Lord.